on this episode of the Evolve Podcast. My advice to anybody wanting to be a disruptor is start with quality. If your product is not demonstrably better than what they can get through the the established players, you're you're not gonna, it's not going to resonate. Either there has to be something innovative, there has to be something. Welcome to Evolve. My name is Brandon Silver, and I believe that evolution of the world requires evolution of the individual. I believe entrepreneurs are consistently changing that world, and we always will be. So with this show, I will bring you the people and ideas with tools necessary to hack your growth in your business and your life. Together, let's ask the world's biggest question, build businesses to solve them, and live happy and fulfilling lives in the process. It's time to evolve. Hey everyone, welcome to Evolve. Today's guest has an extraordinary executive career being the CEO of three startups, raised over 40 million in venture capital, and has a combined 25 years of experience in the high-tech B2B software sector. As a marketing and business development executive with an expertise in B2B e-commerce, marketing, business development, and helping early stage companies grow. His repertoire includes companies like Oracle, Blue Martini Software, MyBuys, and being VP of business development at a firm, the San Francisco-based fintech juggernaut started by PayPal co-founder Max Lebchin to disrupt the consumer banking and credit sector and even sold his first company, R-Time, to Sony to become the multiplayer gaming engine for PlayStation. However, this growth-driven exec has no plans of slowing down, as he is now the president and CEO of the number one fastest-growing spice company in the world, recognized by Inc.'s 5,000 list. Spokane-based Spiceology has gone from startup week of winning idea in 2012 to a 5.5 million-year rocket ship with 45 employees serving restaurants and retailers across the world, from the Pacific Northwest to Australia and Dubai. With 250 premium herbs, spices, chili, salts, blends, and modernist ingredients, they serve a wide variety of clients such as Williams, Sonoma, Disney, the Seattle Seahawks, the Yankees, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, and even thousands of high-end chefs. Sharing his expertise on how to rapidly build a profitable startup, He has mentored in dozens of startup community events like Techstars, Triangle Venture Expo, and Washington State University's Hackathon. He also sits on the board of directors for the Spokane Angel Alliance and has been featured in multiple publications, such as the Spokesman, Inlander, and Spokane Journal. I'm honored to welcome President and CEO of Spiceology, and a man who was hooked to the company after having a plate of spicy habanero chicken, Chip Overstreet. Thank you, Brandon. (laughs) Wow. Thanks. I appreciate that. Great to be here. Absolutely. Well, the very first question I have for you is with having 25 experience or 25 years of experience in the B2B software sector, why become the CEO of a spice company? That is a good, I've had more than one person ask that question. (laughs) I had to ask myself that question as well, but, um, I, uh, I actually spent 30 years in, in high tech and, um, moved to Spokane about eight years ago from the Bay area. And uh, when we moved here, I recognized that there was not, not going to be a lot of high-tech opportunities in Spokane. Right. Um, there certainly is a growing number, and, and I applaud the, the folks that are doing that. But uh, um, I've been commuting back down to the Bay Area for the last eight years uh, prior to joining Spiceology. And you mentioned a firm, spent three years as VP of BizDev, uh, and basically got on a plane every Monday morning and flew down to San Francisco and spent uh, three or four days down there and then came back. And uh, at some point you just get tired of that. And, um, I had, uh, been on the board of Spiceology for a couple of years and, uh, timing was just right. 
Pete mm. and Heather, the, the co-founders, um, uh, approached me at the beginning of last year and said, you know, we'd love to love to have you consider coming on board as CEO. And I had, uh, as I said, been on the board for a couple of years. I, had, I got to know the, the team, got to know the market, got to know uh, just a, the, the business. And I fell in love with it. I think Spiceology has got so much promise. And uh, I couldn't be excited, more excited about uh, doing something. But it is, it's kind of a strange transition going from, from 30 years in software into, into Spices. Um, but I have found that it's uh, the, the, the skills that you learn in one in industry are pretty, pretty transferable to another. Yeah. How's the expertise and experience that you've had over those 30 years served you inside the spice industry? You know, I think that uh, at the end of the day, you're, you, you're, you're marketing a product, you're selling a product, you're building teams, you're communicating, right. you're developing strategies, budgets, um, whether you're selling spices or personalization software, or, you know, consumer finance technology, there's, there are a lot of common things. I think the biggest difference is that we make physical goods here. There, mm. We have a, a spice cave out back where we uh, we have a spice lab where we actually create the product in a spice cave where we store and, and, and ship the product. Uh, and that's that's new. I spent 30 years with invisible products that were hard to hard to explain. Right. Uh, that's another big difference. Nobody nobody's confused with what what we do here. We, right. we make innovative spices and blends and and put them in little packages and we sell them. So it's, it's fun. Yeah. What was it, uh, you know, in 2012 when you had that first piece of chicken and you met Taylor, what was it that you seen in him and then maybe in the company later when you became, you know, on the board of directors? Uh, I met P I didn't actually try his, his chicken. I met him uh, at the farmer's market on second half Mm -hmm. and I was just walking through with my kids um, and there was this guy, this bald guy with these bright blue eyes. And he was just had a big smile on his face and he's standing over a barrel and he's scooping up spices into, into these little tins. And, and, uh, I just asked what his story was and we just started chatting and, uh, I bought some of his spices and took him home and tried them and, and, uh, saw him again, encouraged him to come to the startup weekend and mm. he, he went, he pitched an idea. He won it. He won the, won the, uh, the, uh, the weekend. And, uh, just, uh, you know, we would keep in touch and, um, uh, he founded Spiceology about a year later, um, with co-founder Heather Schulten, mm-hmm. uh, who was a famous food blogger, just happened to be living 20 miles away in Cheney and the two of them locked arms and, uh, and founded this, what's, you know, become a, a really, really, really cool company. They've uh, done an amazing job of elevating the brand uh, above the, the thousands of little spice companies out there in America, like right. really, really built a, a cool uh, and respected brand. Yeah. Spiceology is created by chefs for chefs and really has a trifecta of an advantage, which is the best spices at the best prices and all wrapped up in this, you know, philosophy of fresh matters. So what is the impact that Spiceology is trying to have? Well, there, we, we serve two different constituents. One are chefs and the other are consumers. And mm-hmm. in the chef world, um, first thing, they, they love our packaging. Um, we like to say every chef has a little bit of OCD. Uh, <laughs> those that don't have a lot of OCD. And um, when they see our periodic table of flavor packaging, they fall in love. And they're like, 
this is beautiful. Um, it, it would look perfect in my kitchen. If I'm in the middle of a, a dinner rush and we run out of basil, I send my line cook over. They're not going to struggle to, you know, basil is an herb. Herbs are green periodic table of flavor. I look for the BA and I've got my basil. So it's the beauty of the packaging that gets us in the door, but it's the quality of the product, which mm. is what they buy. Um, we've got a, a, a grind fresh, pack fresh, ship fresh mentality. So all of our uh, suppliers import their products into the U.S. They grind domestically in small batches um, and they we're able to ship fresh. And so the, the difference between what we're offering and what chefs are used to is, is often like a year, multiple years in freshness and um, chefs just instinctively buy from their produce or from their, uh, their, their broadline distributors, that same place where they buy their cleaning detergent and their toilet paper <laughs> and their flour and their oil. And um, you know, five, 10 years ago um, chefs started diversifying. They started buying their produce from specialty produce providers. They started buying their seafood from specialty seafood um, providers. Um, same thing with beef. Uh, and now we're basically doing the same thing with spices. We're mm. showing them that there's a much, much better, fresher, more delicious product and you don't have to pay more for it. Um, because we're, we're, we're shipping direct. We're, we're not going through those, those same broadline distributors. Right. You guys have, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say then on the consumer side, it's all about innovation and and flavor. Um, Mm. the, we, we certainly have consumers that are buying our core spices like garlic and pepper and thyme and, and, and Aleppo pepper. Um, but they tend to, to spend more, uh, on our innovative blends. We've got our smoky honey habanero that you referenced earlier, our black and blue, the first, uh, world's first Cajun seasoning with dehydrated blue cheese. Um, we've got a raspberry chipotle, which is mm. like beautiful on ribs, but it's it's so low in salt you can actually put it in uh, in brownie mix. Oh wow! And add a little bit of zest to your brownies. And so uh, our tagline is experiment with flavor, and consumers just love the all of the innovative things that we're doing. Um, and so different value propositions for those two constituents, but um, a lot of crossover as well. Yeah, you guys have a pretty deep understanding of who your consumer is. And like one of the things that you do for chefs that's pretty unique is this uh, Take Back Your Kitchen program where right. you swap out all the spices in stock for Spiceology spices. How's this program generated uh, new clients for you for Spiceology? You know, it, uh, it's been extremely successful for us. The, uh, as I said, the chefs fall in love with the, the, the beauty of our product once they get the product in their hands and see and smell and taste the quality difference. They, they fall in love. The price, we basically pegged our pricing to be similar to what they're, they're paying today. So mm. it's basically a much better product for the same price. The one thing that always hung, up, hung us up is the, the, the chef would like point to their, their spice rack and say, look, I've got all these spices. So come back in three months and uh, as soon as all my spices are gone, we'll, we'll, we'll start buying from you. Right. Come back three months later and they've got all fresh spices again, not fresh, but full spices. And uh, they're, they're restaurants. They have to, they have to be full. So being able to go in and say, we're going to take all of your spices off of your shelf. We're going to, together, we're going to go down to the, uh, the, the local food bank or the union gospel mission or some, some facility that is, is providing food for those that, that, that need it. 
um, make that donation and we will replace everything hundred percent with mm. fresh, beautiful spiceology at no cost, no commitment, no contract. Just if, you know, we're, we're so confident that you're going to, you're going to love this, that, um, you just, you'll start buying from us. And that, that has been great. Um, they love it. And, uh, it's, it's a great way for them to just do a wholesale change. Um, we, we, the only requirement that we ask for them is to, to, to make that donation. And then mm. they love that. It's, it's doing something good at the same time. Yeah. It's a no brainer value proposition for them. It really is. It really is. Um, you guys also have a loyalty program that you stack on top of that. How has this uh, increased customer retention rates for you and that lifetime value? It's, it's good. It's, it's really good. I think the, um, similar to the, 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 you know, the beneficial nature of donating your spices, the, the loyalty program is seen by chefs as a way to give back to their, their line cooks, you know, right. line cooks are, they're, they're, they're undervalued. They're underpaid. They, they work their, their, their tails off. Um, it's hard to recruit them. It's hard to retain them. And so what most chefs do is they will accumulate their loyalty points um, over time. And then they'll turn around and they'll, they'll buy all of their line cooks, a, a true cooks, Headley and Bennett uh, apron or yeah. a true cooks hat or a shirt or something, something that just shows them that, uh, you know, that they're part of the team and that that's the predominant use of the loyalty program. Um, but uh, it's, it's been great. Yes. When you guys uh, kind of were taking that first uh, step in growth, um, working with social media influencers like the True Cooks partnership um, mm -hmm. was really a big thing for you guys. So what's been Spiceology's marketing strategy with influencers? So the, the primary thing we've done historically with influencers is, is to partner with the barbecue influencers, mm -hmm. guys like uh, Matt Crawford and Derek Wolf. Uh, Derek Wolf has got, for example, 950,000 followers on Instagram. And uh, he cooks uh, big slabs of meat over an open flame. His Instagram handle is uh, over the fire cooking. Mm -hmm. And uh, and people people follow him because he just he teaches them uh, how to barbecue, how to, how to barbecue more effectively. And he's just very innovative. All, all of these barbecue influencers are. And we, uh, we work with these guys to come up with blends that they're passionate about. With, uh, with Derek Wolf, we, we developed five blends together, a, a, a Chipotle garlic, uh, Nashville hot, uh, Tennessee smoke. Um, and, uh, and then we sell them. We sell them to consumers. We sell them to barbecue influencers. And increasingly, um, chefs are, are, are experimenting with these. Mm. Uh the spice industry is a pretty old market that really hasn't been disrupted in quite a mm -hmm. long time. Um, what challenges do entrepreneurs face when taking on an industry that hasn't seen a lot of change? I think every, every industry is, is different. I think that in, in the consumer packaged good space, I think the big challenge that we're seeing across every type of category, whether it's uh, potato chips or yogurts or cereals is that these big brands that have become who they are because of their brand are finding that millennials and Gen Z have no brand affinity. They have no loyalty. Um, in fact, in many cases, they're looking for anything but the established brands because those established brands have really, they don't typically share the same values. They're not about freshness. They're not about, you know, reducing or eliminating salts. They're, they're, you know, the GMOs are, 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 
prevalent in, in, in many of these foods. So um, if you look at the whole CPG industry, the challenge that they're facing is how do I connect with this whole next set of generations that I don't have a relationship with? Right. Uh, most of these CPG firms have gotten to where they are because of their brand, because of their, their, their shelf space that they own in grocery because of their distribution relationships. And then upstarts like Spiceology come along and, and we, we build quality products and we, we don't put any funky stuff in them and, and we, we adhere to that quality and we ship direct. So we're not, we're not beholden to, to needing that perfect shelf space or those, those key distribution partnerships. It's a, we have a direct relationship with those consumers and those chefs. And that is, that's what's disruptive. So mm. my advice to anybody wanting to be a disruptor is start with quality. If your product is not demonstrably better than what they can get uh, through the, the, the established players, you're, you're not gonna, it's not going to resonate. Either there has to be something innovative. There has to be something, um, something unique, some, some deep, deep quality differences because um, there's, there's no place to hide. Uh, if, if you're not putting out quality product, uh, you will be called out in social media very, very quickly. All right. Um, so figure out what consumers want, what chefs want in our case and, uh, and, and give it to them. With uh, your 10 years of experience as an early stage CEO, what advice would you have for those starting their company? The, the number one piece of advice I give to every entrepreneur is pick something that you can do and, and, and really dominate. And, mm -hmm. and every time you start thinking about what more you can do, twist your thinking 180 degrees and think what you can do less. Like mm -hmm. the, the number one failure of small companies is trying to do too much. And there is a, there is a, a, a natural belief that if I spread my arms wider, I'm more likely to catch fire or catch success or catch whatever's in my path. And it's the exact opposite. You just have to narrow, 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 and just focus in on one thing and do it really, really well. And once you've been able to, to, to go in and dominate in a particular segment, then you can slowly start expanding your, your focus, but it's uh, it's hard. Every, every entrepreneur, every person believes that they can multitask. Um, and every time I'm telling an entrepreneur that giving them this advice, I can see them kind of looking at me and nodding and thinking what's going on in their head is that's good advice for everyone else, but I have <laughs> powers and I can, uh, so it's, uh, I, I really think that that's the number one, the, the number one focus area is focusing in. Yeah. How did you uh, help Spiceology get that focus? Uh, I think the most important decision we made while I was on the board before I joined was to, 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 to get out of grocery. Hmm. Um, grocery is very complex. Uh, the, the established players have got a very deep establishment in grocery and uh, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of uh, of effort, and uh, it's just not the right place. Focusing on a direct relationship, selling to consumers and to chefs direct, is just a much better model. We 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 don't have the the same uh, friction, the same challenges that you do in grocery. So we we will get back into grocery, um, but um, we'll do it from a position of strength. As opposed to, you know, when, when we entered the grocery market, no pun intended, uh, the, uh, it was probably three, three and a half, four years ago. The company was very small. And, um, and so that 
that advice was adhered to. And I think it, that was probably the most important decision the company made. Uh, it continues to be. Absolutely. You talked about kind of the admiration for Spokane. What, uh, what do you think Spokane and the Pacific Northwest community offer for entrepreneurs that they really can't get anywhere else? Quality of life. Mm. Moved here from the Bay Area. It's, uh, Bay Area's got a lot of great things. Um, it, you know, there's, it's, a, it's a magical place. But it's crowded, busy. We, uh, we had our third, third child um, back in 20, 2009. And um, boy, you know, it, it's raising children down there is, is much more difficult. There's 200 times, three, 400 times more people. Mm-hmm. Everything's, everything's harder. So we moved up here eight years ago and, and just loved Spokane. It's, it's more spread out. The volume's a couple notches lower. Um, we're outdoors people. We love to spend time at the lakes in the summer and the mountains in the winter. And, um, just Spokane just, just got, got all of that from a business perspective. Um, certainly the cost of living and, and being able to build teams much more cost effectively than you can in, in Seattle and Portland and the Bay area. Um, if you've got a great company, people want to work there. When, when you're in the mm-hmm. Bay Area, people are jumping from job to job every every year, every two right. years. Very hard to attract and retain talent. Um, much much easier here if you if you if you've got a, a really good company and you and you treat people well. Um, so I, I just think that, that Spokane is a, is an ideal place to, to 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 start a company, to build a company, and we're seeing more and more companies move to Spokane. Rover. Uh, Rover.com right. just moved headquarters here. Ignite just moved here uh, from the Bay Area about a year, year and a half ago. We're seeing more and more companies that uh, just recognize that if I can give my employees a better quality of life, they're going to be happier. They're going to stay longer. They're going to, they're, they're going to, ultimately the company is going to benefit from that. Mm-hmm. We've also seen some uh, big companies like Amazon from Seattle move in, Katera's moving in. Um, mm-hmm. How do you think uh, Spokane will be growing in the future? You know, it's a it's a double edged sword. We we all want Spokane to to grow in in the right ways. Uh, I the the worst thing would be for Spokane to suddenly become as as um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Got to be careful here. Uh, it's just trying to get around in Seattle is just, it, it's damn near impossible. You right. pretty much have to live close to where you work or you're going to spend all your time in your car. Same thing is true in the Bay area. Um, so I think, I think a, we want growth. We want more, more companies. I'd love to see more tech companies in Spokane. Um, I want Spokane to be a place where my kids can come and live uh, when, when they, and, 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 and for the jobs that they want to be available here, that's, that's the ultimate goal for, for me and, and many of us here in Spokane. Yeah. How at uh, Spiceology, have you guys been attracting that, uh, top talent to basically come and work for the company? We have, we have, we've got a press release going out today. We've just hired two amazing executives, a, a vice president of marketing named Jeannie Ryan, who is, Phenomenal. And uh, just uh, on Monday of this week, Darby McLean uh, from Gen Prime, former CEO over there, came and joined us as our uh, VP of Channels and Development. And uh, there's, there's, there's a ton of talent in Spokane. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they, they, there are not as many great jobs. So if you're, again, if, you, if you've got a, a great company and, and you treat people right, you can a- attract amazing people. 
you work with quite a bit of the startup and entrepreneurial organizations around in our region. In your experience, how do you best prepare early founders and entrepreneurs? How do I best prepare them? In, in what way? Well, I mean, um, obviously you had invited um, Pete to the startup weekend. You saw that there was, you know, some potential in him, but obviously something in that process that helped him, you know, launch his success. So kind of how do you prepare those people that first have those ideas um, coming about? Well, I'll go back to what I said earlier. The first thing that I tell them is, is narrow your, narrow your focus, close the aperture, bring it, bring it in and, and really figure out what you can do really, really well and, and just focus on it. Um, don't try to get too big, too fast. Um, just, you know, focus on quality, um, solve the problem. I think one of the challenges uh, that I've seen consistently, not only in Spokane, but everywhere is that there's a tendency to try to go, go super wide. Like I'm going to go get 25 customers and, and, and get them all signed up. Uh, and, and, and maybe each of them uses my product uh, five, 10% of the, of its capabilities. I'd much rather see you close three customers and get them to use 80% of it and really, mm. really get the most value out of it. Obviously I'm talking more about software here than I am about spices uh, or, or any sort of a technology, but um, really going deep with your early customers so that they can really get as much success as they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an investor, what you're looking for is um, I, I want to see something that is goes super deep and solves a problem really well and provides some economic benefit, either cost savings or revenue growth or, or something at a, at a deep level. And, and once you see that one, two, three times, you can then say, I can see how adding capital to that can then multiply. If conversely, you're talking to a company that's got 25 customers that are all having a small amount of success, it's less obvious how, investing in a company like that is going to going to be successful. It's, it's, it's looking at the, the unit economics, looking at the, the individual customers and how, how, how deep they're able to get that success that um, I think is, is the best indicator of how that company can scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the case of Spiceology, um, it, it was a matter of, of talking with chefs and, and just sitting, sitting down with them and understanding what made you decide to, 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 to go with Spiceology? And when you, you, you hear their answers and the passion in their voices when they're talking about how they didn't even realize that how bad the product was that they've been using for years and years until Spiceology showed up and said, look, grab your dill weed off the, off the shelf and bring it over here and let's compare it to our dill weed. And theirs is kind of yellowy brown and ours is, is, is green, actual green dill weed as, as it should be. Um, and just to see the kind of the light bulb go on, um, uh, that seeing the depth of success with individual customers is a much, much more important, uh, indicator of success for the company than seeing a little bit of success spread out over a, a much wider base. Yeah. And if, you know, from a, a business perspective, going deep with those first customers, getting them the most success that you can is really what's going to help that word of mouth in the beginning, that marketing and brand building, um, getting the word out about your company. Yep, absolutely. There's a, there's a great book that, uh, uh, does not get talked about as much as it should back in the, in the nineties. It was, it was, it was the Bible it was called crossing the chasm okay. uh, by Jeffrey Moore. 
And uh, I always encourage uh, entrepreneurs to read that. The, the lessons in that book um, don't get old. Mm. Are there any other books or resources that have helped you along in your journey? Um, you know, I, uh, I don't do a lot of reading of business books. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm more experiential. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not the best, best resource for that, but crossing the chasm is a great one. My, my favorite book on marketing was written back in 1967. It's called positioning the battle for your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Phenomenal book on on advertising and positioning, product positioning and company positioning really gets you to think about how to carve out a position for yourself and for your, your products that is differentiated and um, easy for people to grasp. Mm. It, uh, one of the one of the challenges most entrepreneurs have is that they, they're they're they don't articulate the value of their product in the, in the most simple, crisp manner. Mm -hmm. And it's always a good exercise to just, you know, practice on your grandmother, mm. to make sure your grandmother understands everything that you're saying. And if she does fantastic, you've, 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 you've got your pitch down. Uh, you have three children. Is there anything that you are doing to teach them about business or any lessons that you're passing on to them? As, as much as I can. I, my, <laughs> uh, my oldest is 15 and uh, she is a sophomore in high school. And this summer, uh, my first summer at, at Spiceology, she um, she got a job here in our Spice Cave. And, and she and I rode bikes into work every morning. Uh, we hopped on our bikes at 6.15, sorry, 6.45. Mm -hmm. um, she had to clock in at 7 o'clock. And uh, just, you know, um, getting getting them, uh, getting them in and letting them know that if, if, if you're going to be working in a company that I'm running, you got to work twice as hard as everybody else because <laughs> otherwise uh, uh, just, it's just not going to look good. And we meant, I mentioned before we uh, got to the interview looking at the future of education and you went to Stanford. How well <laughs> do you feel that education prepared you for your career as an entrepreneur and CEO? Um, wow. Good question. I, you know, I don't know. I think, I think education is really important. I think it teaches you how to think. I think that too much education today is teaching how to do well, how to do, how to, how to get good grades. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, I was that naive, um, kind of stupid freshman in college. I showed up and met with my counselor and, uh, he said, you know, Chip, what do you, what do you want to get a degree? And I said, business. And he said, you know, we don't have a business degree at Stanford. <laughs> what do you mean you don't have a business degree? I mean, I, I was, I was a dumb kid. Um, it just didn't, didn't do, do my homework. And they, uh, there was an economics degree, but we, at the time we didn't have computer science. We, we mm. talked computer science, but we didn't have a computer science degree. There was no pre-med. There were no, what they were specifically trying to do is not make it a, an education that teaches you how to do a job, but provide a more abstract um, opportunity to just teach you how to think. And I mm -hmm. think that um, is what's important in life, let alone in business. Um, so I, I, I always thought that was a, that was a, a good way to approach education. Um, but I, I'm, I don't, I don't feel in my case that there were a, a specific set of tools that I learned in college that helped me specifically or what, that mm -hmm. I could trace back, but just how to think critically. 
Yeah, I think that that's a huge skill that um, needs to be learned because you're going to, especially now with as many times as you may switch jobs or be changing markets, like being able to take that scope set of critical thinking to any one of those and, you know, be able to execute on that. Of all the things that you've seen, whether, uh, you know, you're advising other startups or working in the food industry now, what uh, are you most excited for in the future? Oh, I'm, I'm just so excited about the, the company that I'm in. I, uh, I wake up early every morning and I'm just like the brain is just spinning. Um, we're, 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 in, we're in a zone right now. Things are, are going very well. We're just, uh, about to close a, a round of, of financing, um, that, uh, we'll be, we'll be announcing very soon and will give us the capital that, that we need to just continue the growth. And that, that just, that drives me. Hmm. Exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Well, uh, before I get to my last question, where can everybody learn about Spiceology? Spiceology.com. All right. Nice and simple. Uh, yeah. my, la- my last question is, how can we push the world to evolve? You know, uh, I think that it would be irresponsible for me to say anything other than take climate change seriously. I think mm-hmm. that uh, there is no bigger threat to our existence than climate change. It's a real problem. Uh, it has somehow become a partisan issue. It's, it's nonpartisan. This, it's just a, it's reality. It's scientific. It's fact. Um, we need to do more. We need to make it part of the conversation. Um, and it's, it's very frustrating to be a parent and to, to see the, the lack of focus on something that's so critical to, to our existence. Mm-hmm. Kind of a follow-up question from that. What, uh, what responsibilities do you think businesses have? <laughs> That's that, that therein lies the problem. Therein lies the problem. I think that the challenge with climate change is that it, it, it's going to cost money and mm-hmm. it's much easier to kind of push, push it under the carpet and say that it's not really a problem because it's, it's cheaper. It's, I have to spend less uh, money to, um, to do what's right. But I think that if we as a country speaking for, for the country for a moment, if we stop thinking about it as a problem and more of it as an opportunity, I think that, uh, you know, uh, we talk about like a trillion dollar investment in infrastructure. What about a trillion dollar investment in clean energy? Mm. What that could do to this country in terms of not growing thousands or hundreds of thousands of jobs, but millions of jobs and right. really doing something that um, can, can help, stem the the problem that that exists i just think we're we're not thinking about it appropriately what what got the united states to where we are is innovation and putting the right incentives in place for businesses to focus on clean energy i think would would um whoever does that best is 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 going to emerge as the next next great superpower well, thank you so much, Chip, for coming on today. As a Spokane native, I'm excited to see how Spiceology grows and you know where it takes uh, Spokane and putting it in the limelight. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks for what you're doing. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. As you know, word of mouth is the number one way for things to grow. Evolve is not just a podcast, but a movement. And to help this movement grow, I would appreciate so much if you were to share this podcast episode with a friend with another entrepreneur, with an early stage founder who needs inspiration and the tools and tactics to make an impact on this world. So please share this episode. And until next time, my friend, keep evolving.